Marketing people. What humans are really bad at is naturally putting the best ideas on the table first. When people discuss ideas sequentially, that invites interpersonal conflict. Welcome to Marketing People, the podcast where we talk to marketing people about how they market to people. I'm your host, James Richter, and it's 2019, which means another thousand articles about how creativity is going to be so important this year. And I've got good news for you. If you're having difficulty generating new ideas at your company, the problem likely isn't that you and your colleagues are all uncreative dullards. No, it's actually more likely that you're brainstorming wrong. My guest, Lauren Nordgren, is going to tell you why. Lauren is an associate professor of management and organizations at Northwestern's Kellogg School of Management. And he's also the creator of an app called Candor, which companies like yours can use to have more productive brainstorms and generate more creative ideas. So let's just jump right into my conversation with Professor Lauren Nordgren. that we crossed paths is that I was <clears throat> investigating a new process for our brainstorming process. Obviously, at an agency like ours, creativity is essential for our growth and uh, client service, reputation, and it's important for really any business that wants to you know, continue to grow and and innovate. So I would love to get your perspective on challenges that a lot of companies have with creativity, um, maybe misconceptions about creativity, uh, and maybe wrong-headed approaches to increasing creativity based on some of the work that you've been doing. Sure, yeah. Um, there's so much to share. <laughs> uh, let me, uh, so I'll just take it as what comes to mind first. Okay. Um, when, I, when I think about what companies are doing wrong, I, I'm focusing my attention on really the collaborative dynamics, less at perhaps the biggest institutional level, but really at what's going on in the boardroom or what's happening in the ideation session. Mm -hmm. And... What they're getting wrong, um, it's not that most brainstorm sessions just fail outright or people wouldn't do them. It's just they're not leveraging the creative potential in the room very effectively. Mm -hmm. um, and we if, let's just begin by thinking about what most groups do. And... Um, most creativity is brought about by some problem that requires a creative solution. Mm -hmm. And 
what's going to happen next very often is people are going to gather physically or uh, communicate online, whatever it may be, and someone's going to state the challenge, and then a room of people are going to begin to start thinking about what potential solutions will be. Mm -hmm. And maybe you'll write these down on the board. Uh, what happens next, what path is identified depends on who has decision rights. Maybe one individual will look at the array of ideas generated and pick something. Maybe uh, a group formally or informally, you'll kind of see what idea enjoys support and they'll select that. And that's kind of how that process often unfolds. And people, some people will feel good about that. Um, Here's the problem or the problems with that approach. Uh, the first problem with this approach is that in a, if there are 10 people in the room, two or three people will do almost all the talking and thinking. And looking at work of do the people have the most to say or those necessarily the people who have the best ideas, and that's not the case. Mm -hmm. So you're getting disproportionate influence from almost like a random selection of people, random in terms of idea quality. It's the dominant or senior people have the most to say. Mm -hmm. So you're <clears throat> under leveraging the majority of people in the room. So just for that reason alone, it's inefficient. The other problem with this approach is the, the moment an idea is put out on the table. So let's imagine like a real simple example if you're trying to come up with um, a culture building activity for your group and someone comes up with the idea of um, a party. The psychology behind this is often referred to as anchoring, but in essence, this first idea is now gonna have disproportionate influence over everybody else. And it'll do so because the moment an idea is put out, people's minds are going to orient around it. So they're gonna think creatively, but they're going to think about connections related to the idea, the concept of party. And there will be other concepts connected to it. So now maybe someone else in the room is thinking karaoke. Mm -hmm. And then someone says, well, what if we, uh, for the Chicago people, went and played whirly ball? Mm -hmm. In other words, now our mind has these concepts have associated constructs connected to them. Mm -hmm. And so party is associated with fun, light, et cetera. And all the other ideas or suggestions are likely to be oriented around this one concept. So in other words, by putting out this one idea, you've really stifled the diversity of ideas in the room. And people don't really feel that because they're just, ideas are popping into their head and they feel good about it. Mm -hmm. uh, the reality is, had someone else put out a very different idea up front, you'd see a really different outcome. You know, maybe, so that's just at a, some kind of cognitive architecture level, it's bad for diversity of thought. It's also bad in the, because we're social animals. And to a real embarrassing degree, we do not speak our minds. That is why the 
the tool is called candor because it's trying to get people to surface objective, unbiased information. Mm -hmm. So imagine what I really think the group needs is um, I think they'd really enjoy and benefit from some kind of self-development exercise. Well, self-development feels really counter to the first idea of party. Right. And now I might really think party isn't what we need or maybe it's not even a good idea, but I may now censor, self-censor, self-edit my thoughts simply because they run counter to the first idea or the idea of the most powerful per person in the room. Mm -hmm. That's uh, another reason why it's bad. Right, right. And we just fall victim to our own instincts to agree with the group. Can I share one more reason why it's bad? Yes, I can. can. Keep, I can yes, keep you going can. For no, a while I, on this. I love it. But uh, I just want to reflect on how inefficient it is for people to discuss ideas in this manner. Uh, I mean, one thing is sometimes brainstorming is just put everything on the board, but often the that is a that's in like an ideation session where we've got post-it notes and we're trying to generate as many ideas as possible. And in some creative context, that's often what creativity looks like. It's also the case that it takes a different form in which people sit down at the table, they need to identify a creative solution mm -hmm. and someone's gonna throw out a suggestion. And now what's gonna happen is we're gonna spend 15 minutes scrutinizing that suggestion then maybe a second one is put on the table and the same thing and then a third one and then maybe a fourth uh, a funny thing about human behavior humans if if we if everyone in the room is aligned on the criteria in other words what does a successful solution look like and you give them an a an array like a set of potential solutions people are pretty good at identifying the good ones from the bad ones, and there'll be a high level of agreement on that point. What humans are really bad at is naturally putting the best ideas on the table first. Mm. So let's imagine the first, second, third ideas get suggested, and people debate them, and maybe a little tension forms because you don't like my idea, and like human nature is to take that a little bit personally. Mm -hmm. And now we've spent 90 minutes exploring these three ideas. Mm -hmm. And then somebody else brings up a fourth, clearly superior idea. And everyone may see that. But we have now wasted a whole lot of time and invited interpersonal conflict and gone through this whole process simply by following a organic sequential process of putting ideas on the table. Mm -hmm. Which is just is just crazy. From a like, if you like to get out of meetings on time, like this is not how you want to surface ideas. Yeah, it can become a free for all, and that's exactly the problem that we had um, for a while. Is that uh, you know we um, oftentimes the work was being done, all of the work was being done inside of one room, and. Um, and a lot of work was having to be done after the brainstorm um, of whoever initiated the brainstorm. Now they have to sort through, you know, a few ideas, but they didn't get all the ideas. Um, 
so that was the same problem that we were running into as well. And uh, so I went researching. I started reading up on some articles on the best way to uh, brainstorm. And I came across your app, Candor, which essentially takes a lot of that headache and uh, work that we were doing after the brainstorm and made it much easier to do that before the brainstorm and at the same time mitigate all of those biases that you're referring to uh, in the process. So, and essentially, I'll, if you want to explain how candor works, you, you can, or, or I can give it a shot and, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but essentially candor is a great way to, it's a, it's a platform, it's a web-based app. Uh, now we are able to, um, before the actual brainstorm meeting, send out uh, invites to, uh, it's essentially a link to each participant of the brainstorm. They can visit the app and they can anonymously submit uh, a number of ideas. Generally we say submit five ideas uh, before the brainstorm and they can all do this anonymously. And another one of the cool things that uh, this app allows us to do is not only walk into the meeting with um, a, lot of, a lot of good ideas that we've already sifted through and, and surfaced the best ones to the top, but it also, as a result of uh, having each person do it privately, it allows each person to propose solutions uh, that are unique to their uh, perspective and experience and approach to solving that problem. Um, and that, I think, is really transformative in the, in, the, in the type of way that you were talking about with the party versus uh, self-reflection solution, is that we get to tap into uh, each brainstorm participants unique way of solving problems so now you not only have we not only have a long list of potential solutions to spend valuable time as a group uh, iterating on and and like you said like we do we actually narrow that that list down before the brainstorm but but we get a nice uh, diversity of thinking, right? So not everyone is, again, anchored to a particular way of thinking about the problem. Um, that to me has been, as we've, we're, we're, uh, we've been running with Candor for, it's basically been a pilot program recently and it's been working very well, but that is the thing that strikes me is like, wow, that person thought of that problem in a completely different way than I would have, than I did. Um, and I can see without knowing who did what, who submitted which idea, I can see that everybody who is going to be in this brainstorm meeting has thought about this problem in their own unique way. Um, and that's hugely valuable. So another nice feature of Candor is that before the actual brainstorm meeting, I can publish all of the, uh, pre-worked brainstorm ideas so that everybody can access them ahead of the meeting. 
and they can actually go in and vote as a group and not see who came up with which idea. And they can submit uh, essentially like or vote on each idea that they really like, uh, thereby allowing the group to start participating in the idea selection process. And like you said, people are pretty good at uh, picking a uh, picking better ideas over not so great ideas when they have that list in front of them. Uh, and we've, we've already seen that uh, people tend to agree on what the best ideas are. When you strip away uh, who came up with the idea, uh, how good they are at presenting that idea, um, the only thing you're really limited to is how good of, a, I guess, a writer that person is, is the only possible way I could think of limitations of that uh of that process but i mean we can't really reinvent the uh you know written word but um so yeah now we end up in a much more productive brainstorm meeting as a result of candor um is there anything i left out there <laughs> that uh that you'd like to add uh no that's a, a wonderful uh, depiction of the process and we're Sure, glad you're making use of it. So, first, allow me to say, uh, so Candor is a tool I've designed with 8-Bit Studios here in Chicago, and I think it's important for me to note that it is free. So, I'm mm. I am pushing the process here uh, as much as the product. So, I'm not um, I, I have no agenda in that regard. Um, and yeah, what what I'd say is uh, to give listeners a feel. At its core, what we're trying to do is uh, disentangle the generation of ideas from their evaluation. And so as you've said, generally the first step is get people to put ideas down before the meeting begins. And right away, you've now got prepared people walking in the door. Mm -hmm. um, and what's that's beautiful for, uh, like you put it really well, getting each person's unique perspective. Uh, creativity, scholars would call this divergent. You're maximizing on divergent creativity. You're getting all those different perspectives surfaced. That doesn't mean each and every one of those is a good idea or equally valid, mm -hmm. but you can't know that unless you surface all of them. Mm -hmm. And so you want to begin with a large database of ideas. The, the, the bigger that database, um, the more opportunity you will have. Uh, then there's usually some people need to come to see what those ideas are. So on the app, it's simply looking through the cards that were developed. And the next step in this process is once people have generated privately, looked and perhaps reacted to the ideas, now you can have a open conversation that most people want to have. Um, people can generate more ideas. And in fact, often in our experience, the winning ideas come out in the second phase because they're some hybrid. People are taking the best of two initial ideas and putting them together in an unexpected way. Mm -hmm. uh, creativity scholars would call this convergent creativity. And, and these are, so you're leveraging both, getting a initial big array of different thoughts and then trying to take that big diverse database and find the best elements and recombine them, create some amalgamation to make a superior outcome. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so 
some of the benefits we've seen of this, our group has studied, uh, myself and, and others have looked at what an approach like this will give you. Um, and so most immediately, just more creativity. You are leveraging the creative horsepower in the room more effectively. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are a whole bunch of benefits beyond that. And some of those benefits are what I get most excited about. Uh, you know, the first benefit is it gives us good creativity, or I'm sorry, it gives us good conflict, but minimizes bad conflict. Mm. And what I mean by that is I'm sure we would all agree that if, if you like option A, and I have some concerns about option A, we should all want those concerns to be surfaced, to be expressed in order for us to make informed decisions. That's conceptual conflict, conflict over ideas. Mm -hmm. What we do not want is interpersonal conflict. Mm -hmm. And when people discuss ideas sequentially, that invites interpersonal conflict. Because let's imagine you throw out an idea and you love it and you're excited about it. And I like you, but I don't think it's a great idea. And mm -hmm. now my choice is do I say that or not? And if I say it, there's a good chance that like, it feels good when people like our ideas and it feels bad when they don't. And it invites the formation of camps and debate and conflict. Right. Something really different tends to happen when conflicting ideas are surfaced independently. So you like idea A, I like idea B. When that is, when that conflict is surfaced independently, what it tends to invite is curiosity, like discovery more than defending. Mm -hmm. You'll hear people say things like, that's, that's interesting, can you tell me more about that? Or how did you arrive at that perspective? So a beautiful thing about this approach, whether you're using the, the platform candor or not, is it gives you good, rich debate while minimizing inter the tension in the room that so often comes out of these experiences. Mm -hmm. uh, the other wonderful thing about it, it gives voice to everybody in the room. Mm -hmm. And in so many contexts, you mentioned earlier about patterns that you see, a, a frequent challenge we're helping organizations with is that the experts are those people who are lower in the hierarchy. So senior leadership has to make decisions, but their finger is no longer, and hasn't been for some time, uh, on the pulse of the real data, the day-to-day, -day, uh, they're no longer on the line. And so you need to get, pull that rich expertise up the hierarchy, and you need that candid, objective, unbiased view. Uh, candor, or this uh, kind of approach, is great for that because there's anonymity, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's also great because it focuses attention on the merit of the idea rather than the position of the idea holder. Right. And so some of the groups that have gotten most excited about this are groups that have expertise low in the hierarchy, as I mentioned, but groups that really value things like giving a stronger voice to women in leadership or minority groups. Mm -hmm. uh, really, any groups that in a informal setting with kind of existing cultural 
power and hierarchy dynamics might not have the voice they need to have. Mm-hmm. This kind of approach uh, helps to disconnect all of that because people might dislike your idea, but they're reacting to the idea and they're not reacting to you. Right, right. Yeah, and I think that idea, like the quality of the actual in-person meeting is just so enhanced when the good ideas have already been identified. Mm-hmm. And it is that, I found that too, because when, when we were working on this process, um, the thought crossed my mind that maybe we just processed out the entire meeting. Like maybe we could just brainstorm without even having to be face-to-face, right? Um, that crossed my mind that maybe that is the best process is to never meet. Uh, maybe we do need to completely avoid all of our uh, face-to-face biases that, that you know, we're, we're kind of burdened with. Uh, but having now done many brainstorms um, with the pre-work and with the early voting and coming into a meeting with uh, great ideas that the group has, as a group, decided are worth spending time on, the value of having everybody's everybody in the same room iterating on that idea um, is incredible, and it and it. And it's just a different meeting now. So the value of that meeting is just uh, exponentially higher. And I, I think it also comes, it also happens because everybody's coming into the meeting. It's like, it's like the concept of uh, in improv when you yes and everything. And in uh, Second City promotes that a lot. It's like we've already said the yes, and then the meeting is the and. And that's when we get to start uh, iterating on that idea and building it out and mixing it up with other ideas um, and potentially bringing that diver- those diverse perspectives to, uh, to those ideas. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's, a nice, that's very well put. Thanks. <laughs> um, what, other, what other ways have you seen other people using candor besides, like in our cases, you know, a very narrow agency case coming up with creative campaigns for clients. Are there are there other scenarios that that uh, businesses can use that process, that brainstorm process? Yeah, this has been the fun piece uh, is to see all the unexpected ways uh, people have been using it. Um, it's. It was first designed for ideation. It's also a tool that can be very useful for making difficult conversation or making difficult decisions that require where the principal challenge isn't necessarily creativity, but the principal challenge is getting to people's true candid beliefs. Mm. And that may be a challenge because it's political or it's, uh, it's a emotionally fraught decision. Uh, so our group will use this approach when we do things like discuss the merit of um, promotion decisions. Like what is it we think about 
we'll, we'll, everyone does the pre-work and they come thinking about strengths and weaknesses of the case. So here, you're trying to still surface rich, divergent ideas, not necessarily to solve a creative solution, but what you need is rich input. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll see groups use it in that context. Um, it we've uh, things like um, it's been used quite often for generating town hall questions mm. in for mayoral politics that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a really funny use that is actually really perfect. We just it never occurred to us. Uh, it's being used a lot for book clubs, oh, wow. which I think is such a beautiful example of actually how a tool like this can be helpful. Uh -huh. And all I can assume is what their people are putting their views of the book down before. Mm. So number one, they're coming in prepared with some thoughtfulness about what they're thinking. But uh, based on everything I've ever encountered watching groups discuss ideas, I am sure there is a much richer, more balanced discussion of a book when you get people's ideas down before yeah. than just in the moment. Because imagine you go in thinking the book was kind of dumb, but the first three people who speak think it was wonderful and it gets to you. And like, what do you say? You probably conform your views more or less. You self-edit to the majority of the room. So, uh -huh. uh, so that's not a professional context, but um, that's been pretty fascinating. Well, those are some, uh, yeah, that's a serious book club. I associate book clubs with just drinking and... <laughs> yeah, no, that is, <laughs> it is, is I'm, yeah, I know, I guess some people get into it, <laughs> evidently. No, that's, that's, uh, that's really neat. Um, a lot of people, I think, get hung up on the ownership of an idea. And like when we were talking about, you know, the candor, candor tool and that process in general um, really amplifies the convergent thinking that, that results in ideas that, uh, that weren't on the candor app when you started the brainstorm. Is it misguided to be hung up on, on who owns an idea? And, and is that, in your experience or your opinion, is that something that is easy for people to accept that ideas are collaborative things that, that probably didn't originate just from one person? Well, I think it, it, it's much easier to accept when you depersonalize disagreement and depersonalize idea generation. Mm. Um, if you only had one step where you simply gener people generated ideas, there was a simple vote, and the best one won, then I'm then ownership over in ideas is would be a more straightforward manner. Mm -hmm. But in the way you're using this, and the way that we implement it, it's this two phase process, and so by the end there generally isn't one person who has crafted that idea. By the end, it, whatever comes out on top tends to be some collaboration between the people in the room. I think you want to have the benefits of each element. Mm -hmm. 
people will privately feel, um, I don't think for in the candor tool, there needs to be this moment where one person gets the prize. Mm -hmm. Um, but people can see their contributions and they know, I think the more damaging situation is when in a traditional ideation session, two problems can arise. One is people don't feel heard and then become resentful. So they think they had a great idea that they didn't get to share or because of who they are, maybe they're junior, mm -hmm. uh, they weren't, their idea wasn't given a fair shake, yep. which creates a lot of resentment. Um, or they express an idea and someone senior claims own ownership over it that can create even greater resentment. This process is designed to depersonalize all of that ownership feeling. Mm -hmm. I think people can still show their merits in different ways. They can privately know that idea was mine, but it's also, there's opportunities for collaborative creativity in that second phase where now the person who's taking the idea and putting them together in interesting ways, there's, there's room to show your skills and show your abilities in that sense. So mm -hmm. I think some people come away feeling like their ideas were really well received and that's can feel good. But I think also more importantly, there's feedback in that. And some people probably do walk away feeling a little like, you know, my ideas stood outside of what the rest of the group was thinking, which is also important information. It helps them understand the group better. It helps maybe them realize they need to come in better prepared or adjust or realize that they have an important dissenting voice. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't f focus too much. Like when we run these, we're not trying to build up to who is the winner. But I think there are subtle ways in which people feel the get the sense of recognition from being part of the process to coming up with a, a good solution. I mean, another way to say all of that is I think you're trying to focus attention at the group level rather than the individual level. Mm -hmm. So like did we, even in pronoun use, I think this kind of approach tends to lead naturally to more we language than I, you language. Yeah. And I've noticed that in the brainstorms that we've been running, and I've seen it, I've, I've just been sitting at my desk, and I'll see a brainstorm get out, and everybody is elated. It looks like they just stumbled out of a bar at like 2 a.m., and they're just having a great time. And it looks like every single person in that room was involved and completely stimulated and felt like they were, it, it looks like they're having fun. They're playing with these ideas. And so in some ways, I think this almost liberates them from having to feel, I think ownership actually comes with it a lot of responsibility to protect your idea um, or to do a lot of hard work to make sure that idea actually works. Mm -hmm. But when nobody knows whose idea is who and it's very collaborative, uh, that responsibility completely dissipates and everybody's just allowed to just play and have fun. Yeah. And it focuses, 
attention and time on that creative energy. I mean, I think some of the groups, when you see a leader who adopts this and it becomes a core part of his or her cultural practice, often it's simply meetings end on time is a big piece because people go in the room to have a very particular mission of having seen the full set of ideas to now play, develop something even better, and then you're on your way out the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think part of the reason why you get the energy, that positive energy at the end is because of that efficiency of creative energy. Yeah. And it's, it's really fun to, uh, when people start getting into a rhythm, it just becomes very, very fun to start iterating. Um, <clears throat> what does the future hold for Candor? and uh, your work in this, in this area? Uh, so we are about to launch, and I don't know what about to means exactly, but soon, um, maybe the end of the 2018 calendar year, early 2019, the second version, which has been uh, a long time coming, and we've gotten, we've learned so much. Really, the first version was based on was adapted to the way I use the tool. The second version is adapted to how lots of different groups are using the tool. So there'll be um, far more features. For me, Candor is designed to be that first wave. Mm -hmm. And then once people get into the room, they are in that second wave kind of off the platform. Uh, A lot of groups really want a consistent platform from beginning to end, and so the you can in the second phase you can continue to use it as you might today, but there's room for convergent validity in the second view, where that second wave of commenting and gen building ideas off of the initial set, all of that will be possible in a way that is not now, and there'll be a greater functionality on archiving and categorizing the ideas, labeling them, et cetera. So, awesome. so that's uh, exciting. Yeah. Um, we've come to understand that a big user case for us are people who are working remotely. So mm. you mentioned, do people need to be in the meeting? And, and I agree with your, there's a lot of value to being together in the moment that uh, creates a collaborative energy, builds trust and cohesion, uh, but very often that's not possible. And this is a you can use the tool in that case. And so, we, better understanding that prominent user case will build in more functionality that'll help groups coordinate across time zones. And um, so that's that's what's next for Candor. Really cool. Yeah, exciting. Um, you know, I'm wondering, because you, you really focus on management, and I'm always looking for uh, book ideas. Do you happen to have any uh, book recommendations for managers who uh, perhaps would like to get some practical psychology into their, uh, into their day-to-day? Uh, sure. Um... Well, first, you can uh, connect to me on LinkedIn. I'm always putting up new articles related to this. Um, I'm a 
which friend do I want to promote in this moment? I'm a big <laughs> All of them. F- I'm a big fan of uh, uh, Adam Grant and Adam Grant's book, Give and Take, which is around the, the power of reciprocity. I think mm. it's a, an excellent book. I think a lot about um, influence and uh, Robert or Bob Cialdini. His books are... He's a great example of someone who is both doing the original research and is also a, a good writer. Um, that was actually a book club book here. We had a book club uh, on with the Influence book by Robert Caldini. Yeah? Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I love no, that book. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so those, those, I mean, there are a, a long, long uh, list, uh-huh. but those are a few that come to mind. The... Uh, Related to this topic, um, I'm a fan of uh, the design from IDEO, and uh, Tom Kelly, one of the founders, has got a book called Creative Confidence that really speaks to I- issues if there's questions around like how to improve creativity, how to feel empowered around creativity. It, it delves into some of the IDEO magic around generating creative ideas so creative confidence is a book that i've learned some things from do you think there's any chance that ideo will try out candor uh that's a good um i'm uh i'll pitch that once it's let's see what 2.0 looks like i I could see them liking that a lot um and before i forget uh if you are interested in Checking out Candor, the web address is usecandor.com. Usecandor.com or just type in Candor in the App Store. Oh, right. Is it on uh, just the apps, just the Apple iTunes App Store, correct? At this moment in time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm a, I have a pixel. Yeah. <laughs> Android is, is 2019. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Lauren. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, Thank you for taking the time. Really appreciate it and have learned a ton and really look forward to seeing Candor and its next iteration and all the awesome uh, ideas and, and decisions that are made as a result. Me too. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, there you have it. Big thanks to Lauren Norgren for coming on the podcast. Hope you learned as much as I did about creativity, generating ideas, and how best to brainstorm. Looking forward to more episodes of Marketing People this year, this 2019. Uh, If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Like it, leave a review, do the five out of five stars, share it with a friend. I have zero promotion budget for this, so the more word of mouth, the better. Please share it with somebody if you do enjoy it. Uh, Would really appreciate that. There's so much more to explore this year. I look forward to sharing it all with you. Till next time.